Alrighty, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Talking With Our Mouths Full. I'm Nightingale Nguyen. And I'm Michael Chan. And today we are at Congo Coffee and Mikate House, which is at 11 Gould Street in Toronto. But more specifically, it's on the outside face of the World Food Market at 335 Young Street, north of Dunness. And in case you didn't know, it's the beautiful, like, blue stall with the word beignets written in large white letters right across from the Ryerson University Student Learning Center. Mm -hmm. And today we have the pleasure of being joined by the owner of Congo Cafe and Mikate House herself, Nia Bengala. Hello, How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very happy to be here with you guys this Saturday morning. Very, yeah. very happy to and have Michael, you. And Michael, you've been here a few times. Yes, I have because how long was ago was it that I met <laughs> you? What, two months? Two months ago? Has it been two months? Time flies. Yeah, like my wife and I were just walking along Young Street. We wanted something to eat and we're like, Hey, beignet, let's we go like try that. Let's, let's try it out. And I'm so glad we did. Yes, because, you guys were very oh kind. Oh my God. You guys were truly, truly kind. Oh my you God. Were very sweet. Because I've, I've never had beignet and I've never had mikate. You never had then. a beignet? No, never. Mm. So I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, and, and so, wow. And now I'm going to bite into <laughs> one of your mikate. They're really crispy. <laughs> they're fresh. Mm. Oh my god, <laughs> these are so good. So, okay, how do you make these? I cannot tell you. <laughs> you cannot tell me? Go I look it up on the internet, I Michael. want you to get it. I, I, you know what? I, I've, mm, I've hooked up my recipe so much, so I lost a few steps. So <laughs> like, even if you try to retrace me, the one thing I don't mind letting out is that I do put my dough in the freezer for two days. <laughs> that I, I'll let you guys have this one, because I know there's so many. Break it in half. Yeah. Break it in half and put it in the air. Oh, but yes. yeah, they're so good. It's like crunchy on the outside, mm. soft on the inside. Absolutely perfect mm. on a cold, wintry morning. Good amount of sweet. Mm -hmm. mm. I don't make them as sweet as I used to. Because mm -hmm. when you have those, the, the dressing or the syrups, mm. when you have the icing sugar, you don't want to have like sugar overload. Mm -hmm. So when, when did you open the Congo Coffee? I opened yeah. this location. I opened, um, I guess, Mid June, <laughs> I was supposed to open. Year? I was supposed to open May six, and then I had a depression. Right, people oh, like, no. Nia, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I literally couldn't come out of bed for two weeks. Oh, I couldn't no. face it. I couldn't face it. I really can't. And then, so we literally had been open since uh, May twenty second, first week of June. We had a great summer, you know. I'm just taking it easy, getting to know people, letting people know that I'm in town, I'm mm -hmm. here. Um, how's the uh, how's the community here? Very much a community, you know. Um, it, 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 it's right in front of Ryerson, you know, it's kind of west of Church Street mm -hmm. and Victoria <laughs> Street. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have a lot of, uh, it's very colorful. Do you get a lot of Ryerson students coming here? Yeah, we, we do. Because we, um, you have great exposure to them. We do, but we're not, um, my market is not Ryerson student, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Otherwise, like, you kind of depend on them when they close, then who do you sell to since the mm -hmm. students That's are fair. closed, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so, people have kind of called it a sophisticated uh, Timbit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these are way better. Than yeah, they are way better. Than no, we everyone. know that. These should be the standard Canadian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seriously. Canada, listen up. Well, okay. And um, I feel like it's just like you know that perfect spot for like 
breakfast alternative mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the coffee and the beignet you know because that's how we used to make that's how we used to get them in in africa when i was you know when i was there mm-hmm. you know uh the the your parents will drop you off the chauffeur will drop you off in front mm-hmm. of the school and right before you the ladies were sitting in front like they were <laughs> making them right in front so you don't have a chance you're not even inside of school yet you're like okay give me a bag of <laughs> you know, okay, give me a bag of ten. You know, and that's what you go to class with. Mm-hmm. You know, class is starting. You are unpacking, and you starting to eat. You know, we. Um, I don't know if we had a restriction with eating in class. I don't think. How can you say no to a beignet? Listen, <laughs> all I know is that um, they are everywhere. They are everywhere in Kinshasa. They are very much a staple in uh, in the Congolese culture. There's so much a staple that. Um, we call them mikates mm-hmm. that a lot of other african nations mm-hmm. recognize the word mikate because it's like they know every time you go to a congolese party or a congolese gathering they're gonna be there yeah. you know like we're very fond of our mikates mm-hmm. so you you speak of being from over there so is that where you're born so i was born in in africa mm-hmm. uh in the congo but i moved to belgium when i was five months old oh. so how was life over there in belgium in belgium I've, I've never been. yeah so belgium is um Belgium is that all European um, model. I still have a lot of families there, so we do. I haven't been to Belgium since I haven't been to Belgium since 2005, I think. But we communicate with Belgium all the time. My, all my direct cousins, my immediate, my first cousins are in Belgium. Uh, you know, my first memory, especially Christmas coming up, mm-hmm. that I have a lot of memories of Belgium now because we used to spend all my Christmases at my aunt's house. So, you know, this time of the year really reminds me of, you know, my family getting ready to go over to my aunt's house for the weekend, you know, and celebrate Christmas together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Belgium is, um, it, it, it was a paradise growing up. It was, honestly, it's everything that you, you hear in books. We had a wood behind our house, you know, we had a little community. Oh. We had, uh, uh, where I grew up, yeah. It was, oh yeah, well, if I show you where I grew up, it was literally like a, a dream for kids. Like we used to go in the woods and camp and, you know, build houses. And here, like in Toronto, I've never seen, you know, like even a part of town that kind of, yeah, maybe you have the Dom Valley, mm-hmm. or, you know, Lone Park in Mississauga. Yeah. You know, but we didn't really, we really very much in the concrete jungle here, right? No, we are. Where in Belgium, like it was really like we had fields. You know, we used to go in the fields and <laughs> freaking <laughs> coins and, you know, cereals and that because it was switch season and, and, and walnuts, mm. you know, um, yeah, uh, hazelnuts. Oh, I love hazelnuts. Yeah, especially at this time of day, we used to go pick them up and roast them. Mm. Yeah, so Belgium was very much... Uh, for me, you know, I left Belgium when I was, uh, I, I, I left Belgium when I was 10 and I moved to Canada when I was 14. 14. Yeah. So I'm guessing that was a huge, uh, transition <laughs> to come over here. Uh, well, we were in Africa for four years mm-hmm. and, uh, no, it wasn't so much a transition for me, actually. It was oh, not. Yeah. For me, it wasn't because, um. That's one thing I realized, you know, especially when you're a teenager, the one thing that binds you through everything, through your experiences, you mm-hmm. know, the amount of pop culture you 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 take in, right? Mm-hmm. So right. if you're hip with the music and the movies <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're a cool kid. So, you know, in Africa, we had MTV. Mm-hmm. I knew all the songs. <laughs> you know, I was, when I came in Toronto, I didn't lose, I didn't miss, I didn't <laughs> skip a bit, you know. I knew about... Um, 
at the time uh, was it at the time the california love the tupac song was on the radio yeah. you know and uh, oh my god the total or the biggie like i knew all the songs and you know <laughs> my parents were living in toronto so it was a kind of family reunion i was like she knows all the lyrics i'm like when you're a total teenager right mm -hmm. that's what you do when you're a kid so no it was uh, it was it was not a huge shock in that culturally what was shocking for me was um i didn't know that we were coming to immigrant land <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that i didn't know that because so the diversity I, I, so many other people yeah no i didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> that was probably one of the harder aspects for me actually coming to um to canada because um you know there's a huge immigrant and refugee and we didn't come as refugee mm -hmm. and uh you know back home we had maids we had drivers we went to private schools mm -hmm. you know because of the class system that some african nations have mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you come to canada and you're like well, what do you mean we all go to the same school like <laughs> <laughs> you know like well, what you mean there's no sons of prime ministers in my school with me you know like um mm -hmm. yeah i come from the zaire you know is the mobutu i don't know if you ever heard of that president is the, the 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 president after the coming to america the movies amunda the hats you know was made after mobutu right. you know he had a very elegant very boastful very rich and uh, the population was very much the same you know very elitist Mm -hmm. You know, so we came with that mentality and also you in Canada, like, what you mean I'm an immigrant? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, what you mean we come from a war-torn war country? And it's like, no, it's like, it's popping down there, you know? <laughs> yeah. No. So uh, you grew up in Toronto, like in going Toronto. to high school. Yes. And then what did you do after that? And then I did what every girl in Toronto do. <laughs> Trust me. Um, I was, I moved that early. I moved out at 18, mm -hmm. uh, young in Davisville. A lot of my friends went to university and I didn't. Uh, so that was, I don't know if that was hard on me. I didn't get to go to school at the same time as everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, then a few relationships, moved out of town. I was in Niagara Falls for a while. Oh, wow. And yeah, we were there for about four or five years, maybe five. And then I came back to, and then we were in Woodbridge, and then I came back downtown in 2004. And uh, s within not even one year of being back downtown, I went to Paris. Because I was out of my relationship, and that's when I was like, I want to have a degree, I want to have a career, you know. And is Paris as romantic, living in Paris as romantic as I imagine? Because I've only been there for my honeymoon. So. So, when, uh, when I left Toronto in 2004, Toronto of 2004, the only difference is that there's just a few more dozen condos. Go ahead, help yourself. Guys, he's missing out on the beignets. No, I'm writing him out. I'm writing him out. You know, so, you know, I was already living Beignet. downtown, the same condo I'm at now. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden you get to Paris and everything is complicated, you know. Uh, they don't have the same 
access to housing as we do you know like i was already an owner when i was 24 and i went to bell and all of a sudden i found myself in a room that it took me forever to found you know in <laughs> paris the housing is not easy you know and mm -hmm. and then the paperwork they were asking you to get a room it's like you know can your parents co-sign for you can you what? you know and he's like wow. hold on a second i'm 24 like what are you talking about my parents like what parents is this you know we we, 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 we don't come from that same type of mentality, you know, like, mm -hmm. and then, and I realized that with other Europeans, I've seen them, especially the French, it's like, they're extremely sheltered, you know, and I don't know if it's because of the economic system, the way they are, but they rely on their parents for so much more than, than we do here, mm -hmm. you know, here our kids are already working 14, 15, they're McDonald's, you know, whereas the French parent is going to be taking care of the child for a very long time you know mm -hmm. and then they come to toronto and they have a huge problem adjusting they're like what do you mean we have to work on the weekend i'm like oh yeah we shift work here in canada you know we nobody having a weekend to yourself like you know so that was actually a bigger uh contrast you know paris uh toronto, toronto to, to paris. paris yeah actually yeah it was a much bigger uh, mm -hmm. Then, 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 then. But then again, I did it at two different uh, stages in my okay. life, right? So. But coming back from Paris. Coming was, back from Paris. Was it easy for you? There was no coming back from Paris. It was only two weeks, and I went to Australia oh. for five. <laughs> then I went to Australia for five years, and that's where I did oh, my wow. undergrads. I finished my undergrads, and I did my masters in uh, in diplomacy and trade in diplomacy and trade because I already knew so we're talking about circa so in 2005 I started an initiative called help me help Africa and that didn't really take off but the, the, when I think of the person back there and my speech and what I was saying is like you can already see you know my underlying uh, humanitarian DNA is that you know is it was a mm -hmm. lot of causes at the time Angola still had that uh, mining you know that was still very dangerous and I was already feeling like what can I do you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's where help me help Africa. Uh, and my mom is Angolan, so there was that part that was calling me, and uh, and also remember some episodes of my childhood where I had seen uh, the kids from the neighborhood. They kind of we had a there was a huge football field, and I had to go through that field every morning to uh, to to get to the markets. You know, maybe every afternoon or every midday. And all I remember is that I saw a group of children, maybe 10 or 12 of them, running after a goalpost. And I was like, what, what's going on? And then I hear meow. And you're like, what is going on? The next thing I know, it was a kitten that was being used as a ball. And all I remember, and I was little, I was oh like maybe God. 10 or 11. I remember running. I was maybe 11 or 12. Running after I'm like breaking up everyone. Like, I know you guys are not doing this and rescuing the kitten. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, causes in any type of suffering has always been yeah. very... Kitten rights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always had a very strong hold on me, you know. So mm -hmm. these are some of my first memories feeling like, you know, this ain't right. Yeah. You know, this, this, this isn't human. And I guess that led you eventually to opening Congo Coffee. So Congo Coffee, uh, so I did my studies in uh, human, uh, diplomacy and trade. But always with the want to do something for Africa. Because I figure, like, if I can get, you know, a job for the UN, you know, uh, one of the big uh, international organizations, 
the big think thing as you call them uh, maybe you know we all have those ideals when we kids like we, we want to change the world we want to save the world you see Greta Thunberg right oh, now yeah. but hers is not an ideal she's the real she deal that one she's, 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 she's <laughs> she is going for it uh, but it didn't pan out it didn't so it's actually a bit of a sad story the way it ended with Australia because uh, I got sick and I was in the hospital for a while actually I wasn't sick I lost a baby I'm sorry. I had an ectopic pregnancy and and they didn't diagnose me for eight weeks. I nearly died. Well, in the moment they finally operated on me, they did the surgery. I they had almost left me for dead. Oh you know, I had God. been bleeding for eight weeks and uh, and yeah, in those eight weeks, I was going to the hospital and telling them like, something's something wrong with me. You know, and um, I, I finally. When I came out of the, the surgery, the laparoscopy, about two weeks after, I flew back to Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, but during those eight weeks I had been sick, my visa, my student visa expired. Um, and Australia didn't see it as, you know, I've, I'd been an international student for four years <laughs> at that time. And it was just not like, no, nah, you, you, you let your visa expire, you know. And there was no black or white, like we sent the paperwork, the hospital paperwork. Like I hired a whole lawyer, you know, like with the embassy and they're like, no, you banned for three years, you overstayed your visa. So the coming back home, the lending yeah. was Aww. not pretty. The lending was not pretty. Viens, viens, viens. Okay, how was that? Oh, here, baby. <laughs> Hold on. Enjoy them, okay? Appelle moi. Okay. Bonjour. Bye. Yeah, this one. Just a little bit more. Yeah, thank you. She deserves it. <laughs> yeah. All right, take two. Mm -hmm. That is delicious. Mm -hmm. You want to try it with more drizzle? Sure. Mm. Mm. Isn't it better than Tim Hortons? Because, like, you know when they have the jelly, it's so sweet that you want to go to the dentist? Yeah, you're right. Oh. Like, honestly, they should just call the donut a trip to the dentist. Right? Like, it, it's yep. a trip to the dentist. Mm -hmm. Is that jelly is usually, like, hard, too? Like, mm -hmm. it's got a, like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not, like, hard, but it's, like, a thicker, like, mm -hmm. you know, texture. You know what's crazy is, um... So this caramel sauce, right, is from Shoppers. I get all my cereals from Europe, by the way. One of my sisters is a flight attendant, so then she comes back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she lives in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So she um, she does one month on or three weeks on or three weeks off. Mm -hmm. And then I run out of syrups and I tell her what I want, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she brought me all these flavors. A lot of this one, I don't even know why she did this because it's nothing different than the icing and sugar that oh. we have here. Um, but all these, the 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 because we don't have, yeah, it's just not in our markets, yeah. you know. Or like no one's trying to put it in the market, like even the kiwi syrup. Even that she brought, you know, because I was making the ginger kiwi lime literally from scratch, and then I mm -hmm. found that the kiwi syrup, oh, so much easier. <laughs> Kiwis <laughs> don't go bad, yeah. <laughs> you know. But she forgot to bring me another one because it's crazy because um, a lot of my people, summertime, that purchase and then they come back or they order it on Uber and they're like, oh, can we? And it's like, you think you know, it's cold season, they're not gonna <laughs> order it anymore. They still order. They're if it's good, it's good, it doesn't matter. If it's good, it's good, you know. And, uh, you know, 
they tell you you're gonna open a business, you have a marketing plan, you need a business plan. You need <laughs> now, I'm gonna tell you something about Nia. Ain't nobody likes plan. <laughs> we are rolling, okay? <laughs> we are rolling. And when one of your sisters is an MBA graduate from Schulich, top of her class, trust me. Uh, it's a lot of arguments that mm -hmm. go in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but ultimately I listen. I listen to what I, I need to listen to. Because mm -hmm. a lot of things, like I feel it's just so unnecessary. Like a $5,000 coffee machine, you know? Does it do your laundry too if it's $5,000? You feel me? Like, <laughs> what else do you do? Like, yeah, like a $5,000 coffee machine. It's not the time. We small, you know? Let's mm -hmm. fill it out. Let's see how, like, a, you know, I go grind. I get all my coffee grinded uh, at mm -hmm. Metro. And my sister's like, why don't you buy? I'm like, it's a $500 machine just to grind a coffee. Mm -hmm. Like, I need it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be very careful which you allocate your money. Yeah. And what is important and what is not, you know? Uh, the logos are a bit of a frivolity. You know, there's a bit of branding, but I think uh, that 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 I actually do like. I do like the logos a lot, <laughs> so that one I don't mind spending. But there's a lot of things that um, let the food speak for itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let don't let this, the food speak for itself. Yeah. Let people get to know you. Uh, I don't know how temporary this space is. They're not really telling us anything. Mm -hmm. But as you know, the parking lot life mm -hmm. shelf life yeah. in Toronto. <laughs> you know what it's gonna be. And that's another thing about this space is that um, a lot of people, y y look, who you're not going to find on Young Street is people that are from Toronto. The, the Toronto people are not walking up and down not Young really, Street. No. They're not. They're not even at the Eaton Center. It's such a touristy area that for me, it kind of works because, thank you, I didn't see that. For me, it kind of works because I'm here to build memories with you, mm -hmm. you know, and not only having the Congo name, you know, is already a magnet. He was reading the uh, the article. You said you didn't really get it. Oh. I tried. I, I, my, my French is rusty. I felt like it was so audacious to of me to to put Congo coffee. I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, oh, Congo coffee, Chongo, who, what? You know, that's how yeah. it was going through my head. But spending summertime here and you see all the new immigrants are just then and they don't know quite yet where they're going. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, ah. Oh, something that I'm connected with Congo and they came to my window are you African are you uh, uh, do you speak French you know all those things and you're like hold on a second before these people start getting established in their new lives in Toronto this is the first port of entry mm -hmm. and they connecting with you and then they're gonna go on to Ajax or with B or wherever maybe might stay downtown and then they're gonna go build their life in Canada but they're always gonna remember that first spot where they used to get their um, authentic cuisine, you know, their mm -hmm. Congo coffee, their Mikat. And even if they drive back in town, they know that they have to make a stop here. You know, it's very much about building that lasting relationship, mm -hmm. you know, for, for people that are just arriving in Canada. This whole square right here. I'm telling you, nobody that live at Lawrence Park in those five of those mansions are coming and you know walking up and they're not this is not toronto believe it or not i you know i i, I lived quite a few years in toronto before I, I moved to richmond hill and uh yeah when i was down here i didn't walk young street now i do because i'm not i'm not because you're down not here yeah because so you're not down, every like, day yeah because you're not every day but trust me this 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 
this I very much call it the, the first port of entry of Toronto the first port of entry and you see all types of people it's it's the touristy you know summertime you know Danish German French everybody's up and they don't know where else they're going mm -hmm. they, they don't know they don't know they don't have friends where they're making you know associations with and you know they're having you know uh, dinners at a friend's house they, they, that's not established yet that's brand new. Just came to Canada. I need to... You know how many people came here just because I spoke French? They need to connect. They need to feel like I'm speaking to their values. You know? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why it came here. Congo. Africa. Someone told me. And trust me, they were like, is it like back home? Is it like... I'm like, no, from Toronto it's not like <laughs> it's from Toronto yeah I mean I'm human I do get sure but you see the concerns you you see you know what is going on and you're like oh Tim Horton is not talking to you <laughs> oh Starbucks <laughs> is not talking to you <laughs> you know it, it's, it's mm -hmm. and that's and that's where the cracks are forming you know and that's where you build on to you know, that's where you take that opportunity and, and you saw him coming back. It's like, you know, yeah. that gives you, that alleviates your nostalgia of back mm -hmm. home. And that's the other advantage that we have. You know, we might not have seen it being first generation or, you know, a Canadian. But now that you see how the rest of the world is coming and catching on, you're like, hold on a second. There is a sort of an advantage that I have. If you can't recognize it. Mm -hmm. If you can't recognize it. So we still face a lot of those realities in terms of, you know, you were talking about communities and uh, it's not just communities, also uh, your parents, your heritage, you know, you're very, very more vested than you are, uh, than, than you think, you know, just like because we're born in Canada and we've never been back home. But I bet you if I played, I don't know what Asian heritage country you're from, but I bet you if I played a, uh, a, a song or movie, you're going to recognize the language. It's going to be a part of you. It's going to resonate because you're like, I know this. This, you know, this reminds me of my parents. It's like, there's a part of you. There's a part of you that is still connected to back home. And, and I think that um, that's, it's easier to act to help causes back home mm -hmm. uh, when you still have that, that connection. It's fresher. You know, then when you have the huge disconnection, we've been here in Canada, you don't even know what about, you don't even know the language, you know, you just know that, okay, I just happen to look like this, but I've been, you know, three generation Vancouver, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you still have that connection, you still, it still speaks to you. Like for me, I feel straddle. Not between two cultures, no. That, there's no confusion in my head in terms of the cultures. But in terms of knowing my responsibility towards people that speak a language that I recognize because mm -hmm. it's a part of me and I have to do for them. And that's the blessings. That to me being in Toronto is a huge, this life, this, this passport, you know, this freedom, that's, 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 that's the fundamental blessing that I don't know, you know, people think that, yeah, we're just kidding, we're just Toronto, you know, no, 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 that is a blessing. It really is. It truly <laughs> is. <laughs> it truly is, you know, because let me tell you something, there are blacks in Europe that don't even have the freedom that we have here in Canada, you know? So that to me is not something that I, I could squander.
you know that mm -hmm. to me is w that's my building blocks that's my foundation mm -hmm. that's like you know yeah yeah we have free health care there's some country where the government don't even care mm -hmm. about if their peoples are good or not you know it's amazing to me that uh, for all that you have you're still going and trying to help people because if I, me, it's my DNA. I, I don't mm -hmm. have a choice. I don't choose. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't choose. I don't. Man, if I could choose, then yes, I would leave a lot <laughs> behind because it does keep me up at night. You know, sometimes I will feel guilty. Sometimes I will feel guilty, you know, just for having. And that's a huge thing that I have to work on. You know, because my thing is always, my thing is always like, what did I do for who? How, people are going to remember me. What are they going to remember? Mm -hmm. what, how was I to you? What did I do for you? You came to me. Did I help? Did I do something for you? Did, did, I, did, did I make it better? That's, there's nothing bigger. There's, there's nothing. Nothing. No, no money. No income. None. Could make me happier than knowing that I changed someone's life. That I've done something. That I've contributed that I've contributed, that I was part of humanity, that I helped push humanity forward. There's just, you know, some fundamentals, like you are part of humanity. What did you do? Who did you help? Because you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You have a duty. You have a responsibility towards your next one. And that's just bottom line, you know? One thing that really upset me is, uh, I love Drake, I'm a huge Drake <laughs> fan. But in one of his songs, it's like, oh, I help homeless. I was like, but isn't that what we do? Don't put this in a song. Either you do, you do. And you, especially you who's been privileged, you have, you have the duty. You have to do. You know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> don't, that one really pissed me off. But other than that, it's the sixth God. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's need for help. Um, need you to be of service. Need to be of service. You channeled it into yeah, your so shop and coffee exchange. Yes, naturally. So for me to see this, you know, so many different parts of my personalities are now it's just so blatant when I see the shop. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, that is so me. Oh, that is so me. Having people coming over and saying, food, that is so me. I used to have contests at university, cooking contests. Come over, you want to eat? I'm cooking the morning because sharing is caring. You know, that's another thing. And you know that food makes people feel good. Yes. You know, so when I see, even when I came up with the air from my sister's side, I just like, that is so you. <laughs> that is so you. And then you, you just look around. And when I look at the shop, it's just the fact that it materialized. You know, it's a, how do you call it? Um, manifest. It oh. manifested. Yeah, manifested. When I look at the shop, I'm always like, look what I manifested into existence. You know, mm -hmm. look what I create. It's just, it's just, but. So many aspects of the shop is just, you know, it's just, it's truly me. It truly is my personality. It truly is, you know, what I, what I, what I feel, you know, every food needs to be careful. I'm catering to you. I'm, I'm sharing myself to you. Uh, you and my company, I need to be good to you, you know? So uh, that is thought, it's not just coffee. It's just that like you coming over. 
what can I do for you? You know what I mean? That constant desire of it's a people's pleasing at the same time. It's people's pleasing, but it's also um, a desire for approval. Because you know, I'm very analytical, and I'm a person who can look into myself, you know, without I have no qualms doing that. But it's also when I help, it feels amazing. It feels amazing to the point I'm wondering who am I truly helping? Mm. Am I helping me or am I helping you? Does that make sense? It makes a yeah. lot of sense. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So having the first, the balls to say it out loud, you know, because I recognize it. Mm-hmm. I recognize it and I recognize that I need to do this. You know, it's not compulsive, but it's like I, I cannot exist if I cannot do that. So how did it feel when you were in Thailand recently? Oh, <laughs> cried the whole time. Oh my God, I saw the photos. You haven't seen half the pictures. You haven't seen half the pictures. So that was a uh, an orphanage in in Pattaya. In Pattaya. Uh, so we so I did my first Christmas market last year, and mm-hmm. last year I did uh, I was still fundraising. I was fundraising for the UNHCR, and I was fundraising for uh, Malaika School. Mm-hmm. I had been a fan. I'm a fan of, of selflessness. Huge. Uh, there's a lot of uh, philanthropists that I have been a fan of that work that they've done. I remember being 24 years old, along the time of. Uh, Help me help Africa. There was a lady I had seen on TV. Her name was Lori Lautrec. And uh, she was from Switzerland. And she was helping out in some countries in Africa for uh, people passing of AIDS. Mm-hmm. She was the last person you will see and she will hold your hand. And, and even back then, I just remember being in awe. Like, you have everything in Switzerland. You all have <laughs> amazing chocolate and luxury watches. But you choose to live all this to go be of service to another soul. And that, that is always, and I can tell you a million of other, uh, of other uh, philanthropists that I've followed along the, the, when I was a kid, I described myself <laughs> one time, and I'm sure if this friend of mine hears this, if she sees what I'm doing today, she won't be surprised. I described myself as a mix between Princess Diana and, uh, and Pamela Lee back then. <laughs> back then but you don't know who you are you know until things become obvious back then I was like talking about I want to go help I, um, an orphanage in Southeast Asia I already knew that mm-hmm. and uh, for me it's actually about helping the smaller NGOs you mm-hmm. know the ones that have a hard time getting big platforms raising money mm-hmm. because they do an amazing job but yet you know fundraising is a full-time job it's very yeah. hard it's freaking hard it, it it it's hard but at the same time i feel like it's not needed i feel like you know the fundraiser if they want to raise funds i think that it's time to build you know uh sustainable industries it's time to build uh social enterprises you know uh, i know me too we failed at the eaton center because you didn't present it properly you know, people don't want to buy something. They do want to help, but in their personal possession, they don't necessarily want to have a product that's kind of looking like charity-ish because everybody's stylish and swaggish yeah. and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. You know the Me Too We store? Yeah, Me Too We. You yeah. know the yeah, Me yeah. So, when you have something like Me Too We, it can be great, but if it's not something that people are going to rock with on a daily, 
you know people want to help but they don't necessarily want to wear that you know funky t-shirt you know like yeah. you know even the purses or even the jewelry sometimes it's hard to translate because then it becomes very ethnic you know and it's like oh, i'm not really my style and then you miss out on this whole other market your potential of selling to that person but because you you know don't so finding a product that easily translates you know we all train coffee Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was lucky there, but uh, we all drink coffee. Finding a product, builds an industry, build a store, build a shop for the money that you're trying to raise. I think that asking for people's donation is very, very, very unfair. It's very unfair to the local population because we also work, right. you know, but we do want to help. We truly, genuinely, we want to help. If I bring it back contextually, we've helped a hundred billion last year <laughs> and the year before and the year before when is this merry-go-round when are we getting off mm -hmm. uh, when is the problem being fixed it's not and it's not meant to be fixed because it's an industry and as long as you don't question it they're gonna keep on coming asking you for your money and that's the one thing, you know, being African and seeing what they've done to African countries and other countries where, uh, you know, the Western world has created this court. It's like, it's not something that I can do. You know, the girl from Malaika, I love the school. I love what you've done with it. You know, I love the fact that you put the children first. But I'm sorry, you went to ask for donations. You went to beg for these people who are already low. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That, to me, that's not how we'll honor them. I will create an industry and I will talk about them. And we'll, but I'm never going to make that person that's coming to me feel like, you know, and they have it at Tim Hortons. They have it at Starbucks where you come, you purchase, and at the checkout, they ask you for a donation on top of this. Are you kidding me? I just gave you money. Yeah, coffee, <laughs> the most marked up product in the world. And on top of that. Yeah. That to me is insulting. That to me is, is, is it, that, and that's why I couldn't, you know, say what I do with the shop. Like the shop is the shop. If you want to know more, this is what, where I want to put this money. But I never want you to come to the door. You know, when I'm selling you this greatness, to also feel like, oh, by the way, you know, like, no, I, I, yeah. Not, yeah. not, that's not cool to me, you yeah. know, but mm -hmm. that's, here I am bringing my interpretation of how it should, not how it should be done, but how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, just know that these are my beliefs and this is where I would like to allocate the money or uh, just know that if you believe in the same things that I believe, then yeah, you support, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you're not coming and then I tell you, but by the way, this is what I do. I just like, nah, that's, that's not cool. And another reason why I chose uh, Southeast Asia it was because I didn't want it to look like I just want to help black causes or African countries. I want to mm -hmm. show, first of all, that we all can help. Mm -hmm. We all can help. And I'm going to help regardless of who you are, what you are, what you look like. Another reason why I chose Southeast Asia was because, uh, one, I didn't want to have that look, although I, want, I have to go spend some time in Africa. Uh, you know how controversial it is to have a black person helping out someone else? For once, you're not the recipient of help. I had no idea it was controversial. Has it been displayed? Has it been portrayed? No. Food for thought. 
Like Definitely. we don't <laughs> always have to be recipient of help. We can also help, mm -hmm. mm. given the opportunity. Because guess what? We all want to help. We all truly, truly do. People want to help. People want to help. People feel guilty of having this much. They do. They do. They recognize the blessing. Maybe guilt is a bit, is a bit um, but people want to help. And, uh, but fundraising is hard. It's, 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 they turn it into an industry. They turn it into a business, the business of fundraising, galas and all that. But you also look, who can help? Who can donate? Only the privileged, only the privileged ones. Because if you're going to ask people money, what do you need to put on a big show and a big gala? Because we got to pay for this. Yep. <laughs> you know, we got to pay for this. So there's a lot of stake. I don't know. That's just how I feel. There's a lot of stake. There's a lot of... Uh, I, I just, I, I feel like this uh, is, we're ready for a new voice, for a new... I would you agree know, with that. Interpretation of the thing and how we feel, how those African children feel. You know, because here you are asking for donation. You go through the whole world. Ah, oh, they need money. I need money. But hold on a second. Do you realize that it's their coffee money that's making Starbucks a billionaire? Do you realize that it's their mineral money that is for pushing uh, the whole techno uh, technology industry forward? Wouldn't be Colton. If Colton is 60 percent of the world production of Colton is found in the Congo. Apple, Samsung, all those big electronics cannot function without the Congo. But here we are asking donation on behalf of the population that's giving you the most. No sense in that. <laughs> that's why I stepped, as I left the U.S. I'm like, oh no, you don't need my help. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm about to go do me. The privilege game, the privilege of, oh, I have a million dollars, I can help. And so you find your own way. Mm -hmm. And we're all better for it. So to wind things down, <laughs> how can uh, people connect with you? To aside from coming here, to have yeah, your well, we on we on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I think the 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 I need to get two website built like this week. <laughs> like I don't have a website. It didn't bother me to this point, but with all these article, people are getting more and more attention. I feel like I need to go put my mission statement somewhere. Mm -hmm. But you know, like how I feel about you know, kind of saying that. Yeah. And it's like this is what I do. I don't need publicity for this. I truly, honestly, much rather all y'all come and help than give me publicity. I don't care about the publicity. I want other people to help and to do more. Uh, because this is our home. Mm -hmm. This this is our six right here. Like, I can't have Toronto looking raggedy. You know what I mean? Like, ah, <laughs> not moving my dead body. We got to do more. Um, but for now, you have Instagram, right? I have Instagram. It's uh, at... At, uh, what is it? At Coffee and Mikati. But we have Coffee for Change. That's yes. where I'm more uh, active because it's more of a, a true reflection of... of uh, of my desires in your way yeah yeah that's where i find uh add coffee for but i also uh, have my own yeah. page which i never update i have my own <laughs> instagram page it's just like this year it was uh, sort of a write-off year you know it was yeah. one of those years it's been so much transformation so much transformation for me this year uh you know the whole year all the way to opening the shop to seeing the shop to seeing people's response and you know uh and, but it's about connecting with people in that subconscious, that emotional subconscious, that thing that, you know, there's this page on Facebook, is the Dodo page, 
where they show all the animals oh, and oh, people yeah. that yeah. rescue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you already know me, uh, girl. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I'm here. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what did you do? What can I do? How can I help? <laughs> it's just why the shit is crazy. I'm like, they need money, man. I need to do something. It's crazy. Mine is really crazy. It's like, oh my God, you rescued a dog. What can I do? How can I, who can I send money to? <laughs> I'm anti-donation, but I want to help the people that actually do good, man, because it gives me peace of mind. It makes me worry less because I'm worried about everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's yeah. why I love the selfless people because you actually give me peace of mind because I know someone is actually worried and caring for the people that I can. And I get to do all this from the comfort of my of my of my home. Mm -hmm. I'm in Toronto. I live in a condo downtown. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> you know. And we're glad for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being well, on our podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. So Nightingale, how can people find you? Y'all can online? find me on Instagram at night.nguyen. And I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Michael C. W. Chan. And you can find me on my website, www.michaelchan.ca. And our final question. So what causes are you passionate about, ladies and gents? And are there other Congolese foods that you want us to try in the future? Uh, or if you want us to come back, that's <laughs> yeah, that no, works we're too. happy to come back. Yeah, we're okay. happy to come back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, so thank you so much for listening, everyone. Come visit Nia. <laughs> Her food is amazing. And as always, stay, stay hungry. hungry. This has been Talking with Our Mouthful with Michael Chan and Nightingale Nguyen. Theme music by bensound.com. If you enjoyed this episode, why don't you join us on Instagram and Twitter at, at TWMF Podcast. We have a lot of bonus content like food pics, behind-the-scenes shenanigans, and more info about all the places Michael and Nightingale visit. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. A new episode comes out every two weeks. Thanks again for listening, and stay hungry. <laughs>